0: I'm Andrew Morris, and I am—I've uh, been involved in the fintech space for about 25 years. And the—the the first part of that was as a executive at a bank, as a management consultant, sort of traditional types of roles you might have in the industry. Okay, and then about 10 years ago. I saw the advertising for this conference called Money 2020 and went to the conference, uh, thought it was terrific, um, ended up speaking the next year, meeting the founders, and had the opportunity to join the company as the uh, head of content and uh, was there until about three years ago building that event and so my whole career changed and during that time there was this other conference called Lindit, that's now FinTech Nexus that was on its journey. And, uh, and I had a great time with, uh, with Peter Renton as we were both uh, building our respective conferences together. So I appreciate, uh, I'm here today with a great panel through a partnership between a conference that I'm now helping to produce called FinTech Islands in the Caribbean and FinTech Nexus. So Peter will be joining us in October, uh, October 4th through the 6th in Barbados as a speaker, and we have the opportunity today to talk to you a little bit about uh, Caribbean FinTech and uh, the opportunities there. So, um, so that's, that's a bit of, of why, why I'm here. So let, let me set the stage by talking a little bit about the things that I've learned about the Caribbean that I didn't know before I got involved with this. So the Caribbean, if you take it as a region, all the different island nations, has a population of about 45 million people. So for perspective, Canada's 38 million people. Spain is 47 million, so it's about the same size as Spain. Um, The UK that we all think of as the global hub for FinTech is 68 million people, so not that much bigger, right? So if you look at the whole region, it's a much bigger opportunity than I think most people realize just from a scale. Um, about half of the population of the region are unbanked or underbanked. So it's still largely a cash-based society. Lots of opportunity to digitize uh, the and provide access to the financial system for consumers and, and small businesses. Um, so with the Caribbean, you've got Cara, the CARICOM, CARICOM Community of Nations, which includes countries like Antigua and Bermuda, uh, Barbuda, Bahamas, Barbados, Belize, Dominica, Granada, Guyana, Haiti. were are represented by two great panelists from Haiti. Uh, Jamaica, St. Kitts and uh, Nevitz, St. Lucia, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Suriname, Trinidad, and Tobago. Then there are British overseas territories there, That's Bermuda, the British Virgin Islands, Cayman, Turks, and Caicos. Uh, Jamaica is the most populous with about 3 million people. Uh, The Cayman, as you know, is known as being a, a tax haven, so unique to that region. The Dominican Republic, interestingly, is probably the largest economy in the region and is very active from a fintech perspective. Bermuda has some unique... Advantages, only 60,000 people, but it's become a a global hub for digital assets and for InsurTech. And Barbados, where our conference is held, only 300,000 people, and yet the Prime Minister Mia Motley punches way above her weight on the global stage. She was named one of Time magazine's 100 most influential people uh, globally, and as a global advocate for climate justice and for financial inclusion. So let me kick things off. So my panel is uh, uh, Pascal Ellie, who's the chairwoman for Cellpay. Carmel Cadet, who's the founder and CEO of a company called Tech, And Chris Burns, his company based in Bermuda, is called First Atlantic Commerce. So I'm going to ask each of them to kind of share their observation of something about the Caribbean and fintech in the region that might surprise you, but they they, they feel it's important for you to know. So, Pascal, maybe you could take that first.
1: So, um, thank you, uh, Andrew. Uh, Hi, everyone. Hi. Uh, So, yes, what I'm seeing in, in the Caribbean is that the region is ready to, is very determined to fight to find solution for financial inclusion, and uh, they are deploying innovations such as CD- CBDC, digital currency, and the adoption is quite interesting. It's not there yet, but the, the, their relation, their, the, 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 their relation with their diaspora, and the way their economy is structured, very reliable on, on tourism and remittance, A lot of un- unbanked and or underbanked. So that makes it, a, 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 all those factors makes it very interesting to adopt new, new innovation that can bring a solution to financial inclusion. And uh, the digital currency and fintech and digital finance can, can um, bring uh, secure payment accessible to everyone. So it's, it's uh, happening right now in the Caribbean. The momentum is car- is, is right, it's a, it's, I was saying earlier that the Caribbean region is a lab for those innovations and it's very interesting, the outcome is very interesting and uh, we, are seeing, um, we are seeing fintechs and, and other products that are picking up and that are bringing real solutions to real problem for the UNBEC and for the, 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 the structure of the, the population, the way they are doing transaction and most importantly by connecting them to the global market.
0: So it's interesting, so thinking of it as sort of a lab, as a sandbox, pardon the terrible pun, you know, for, for, for innovation. For innovation. Um, so Carmel, what are your thoughts on kind of the region?
2: Sure, so I, I, I'll, I'll echo Pascal's words. The opportunities are clearly there. Um, this is a market that um, has unique challenges um, it is also, uh, from a distance and pro- proximity, I should say, it is a very interesting market to align with what the U.S. is also offering. And when you think about the development of financial services, of fintechs in the U.S., and Europe, Africa, and around the world, um, there are some models that actually have made their way to the Caribbean, whether it's the M-PESA model when it comes to mobile money. But now it's really about how do you bring the region into Web3 and the interest that is already there when it comes to digital assets in Bermuda, for example, or cryptocurrencies serving as methods of payment in a better way than traditional rails. Um, So you see a demand already in the region. And I think there's a great appetite for better infrastructure, which is part of you know, we look at it from you know. You have the fintech infrastructure that needs to be built. Um, us at Mtech, we focus on the central bank side and building that core infrastructure for financial services to be uh, resilient, sound, and inclusive. Um, and I think the region is ready for that as well. It's just a matter of right. you know how do we all work together to to tap into that. Right.
0: You know, it's interesting. You know, we've seen that in other parts of the world, where, for example countries that don't have a credit card or a payment card infrastructure, jumping straight to something new like mobile, yeah. uh, even the classic example of M-Pesa in, in Kenya, right? So there's an opportunity. Maybe the jump here is straight to central bank digital currencies, right? <laughs> um, so it's even bigger leapfrog. So Chris, what are your, your thoughts?
3: No, and that's exactly what I was going to jump on right there. It's yeah. the, you know, I've been working through the Caribbean in the in the fintech payment space for you know 19 years, and you know it, it is an interesting microcosm in terms of taking that risk on new solutions, right? So, you know, whereas you know in the U.S. you have you know much higher credit card penetration rates, you know much higher GDP, much higher access to you know historically bandwidth and broadband and things like that. Um, where the, is the Caribbean? We're we're in this. Era now, where people are prepared to make that sort of almost quantum leap into something new, and you know, you look in Bahamas, for example, we have Dollar that's been up and running now for for at least a couple of years. Um, people are, are are pushing that forward. Eastern Caribbean, you have Dcash, uh, which has been up and running for at least a couple of years now as well. You have companies like Bit out of Barbados that have been pushing, you know, the digital asset space, the you know, the stablecoin industry for a long time now as well and you know there is this you know classic resistance from the traditional you know banking infrastructure you know the caribbean is home to three major uh, canadian banks which people probably don't really know like scotia rbc uh, and cibc uh, which historically are, are very conservative bankers in the first place so once you bring this new technology in you know, there's a little bit of a hold back there. Um, but then you have the, the bigger domestic banks in places like J- Jamaica, which you have NCB. You have spun off Link, uh, which is a digital wallet product sort of almost to compete against themselves mm-hmm. to see which model is going to be more attractive uh, to, the, to the customer base. So mm-hmm. from my perspective, you know, it is a great place to, to test these, these new solutions, services and find which ones are gonna be able to, to rise to
0: the top. Right, right. So we are on the, the innovation zone stage, and what we have on our, on our panel are three examples of founders, CEOs of companies that are representative of doing FinTech business in the Caribbean. And I'd like to give each of them a chance to talk a little about their journey as a founder, and what led them to start their company, and talk a bit about their company, and the work that they're doing. So maybe we start with Carmel this time about about M-Tech. All
2: right. So I was born and raised in Haiti. Uh, I moved to the U.S. in my late teens, um, got fascinated by financial services at the time, just how different it was coming into the U.S. It was easy to get a $500 credit card, and uh, my mom got way too much credit (laughs) than she needed. Uh, And it was Really fascinating to be able to buy a house and um, uh, borrow a lot of money and pay it over time. It was very different from where I came from. Um, In Haiti, there's about 25, 20, 27 percent banking penetration rate now. And over the years, the de-risking mechanism have moved uh, global banks away from Haiti. So having experienced that and going coming into the U.S., I became fascinated on how can we build. Uh, better financial markets for everyone. I really believe that everyone deserves access to sound and resilient financial products. It impacts lives. Access to credit can really change someone's life. And when you're thinking about emerging markets, um, access to capital and access to credit is something that can be uh, very impactful. Of course, no two markets are like Haiti, right? And coming into the U.S. and then being exposed, I went on to spend about 10 years at IBM. Um, so, having a global perspective, being able to understand financial services in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., understanding how to build locally and understanding how culture eats everything for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, but also being able to build globally, right, and having a sense that it's not just a Haiti problem, it's not just a um, Ghana problem, it's not just a U.S. problem, um, that financial services at an infrastructure level um, could serve better if it was more modern. And then so we got into blockchain. I got the blockchain bug in 2017 yeah. um, when I was at IBM. So I decided to, to jump into that and see how can we move cash, the, the paper cash that everyone uses in their country. How do we use blockchain to digitize that? And this is where I got really excited because the Central Bank of Bahamas was the first central bank who decided to launch a central bank digital currency, which is CBDC, which is essentially a digital version of the paper cash, but using certain technologies. Um, Then I went on to launch EmTech. And EmTech is a um, central banking infrastructure company. We help modernize central banking infrastructure Um, Today is for the fintech era, tomorrow into the Web3 era, and we're pretty excited about that. This is something that's going to um, not only help at a um, kind of enterprise level and and regulatory level in every country, which is good for investments and growth and so on, but it would be great for fintechs. I love I would love to think that what we're building is great for Haiti Pay, is great for financial commerce. In that itself, building that better infrastructure to have a stronger ecosystem.
0: Thank you, thank you. So we'll come back to talking about regulation and working with central banks a bit later. So Christopher, talk a bit about about, uh, how, how did you become the CEO of First Atlantic Commerce and tell us about what you're doing. Yeah. Well,
3: I'm not sure we got time for all of that but the uh, so i I've, I've been with first line of commerce for nineteen years uh, in various different capacities I joined there when I was twenty seven sales guy and it's kind of worked my way up through the company to become CEO eleven years ago and you know from from my perspective it was never something that I actually envisaged that I would be doing but the uh, when we started the company which is for those of you who don't know us, it's an e-commerce payment gateway company. So think uh, Stripe, PayPal, but focus predominantly on the Caribbean and Central America as a, as a business. So we are, you know, I'm from Bermuda, I'm Bermudian, uh, I have born and bred there. And you, Bermuda is a very small place, right? 60,000 people, 25 square miles, you know, 700 miles in the Atlantic. And you know when we were starting the company and I didn't found it but I was there very early on you know was very apparent that a company like ours needs a lot of transactions to go through the system right so uh, Bermuda being 60,000 people 35,000 purchasers you know we really couldn't keep the lights on with with being in Bermuda at all mm-hmm. so we we tried to venture into the states we tried to venture into EU we were far afield as Mauritius at one point and uh, you know we were competing with some very large companies you know, from a base in Bermuda and we were never really going to put boots on the ground in Europe or, or the US. So 10, 11 years ago, we changed focus and looked at the Caribbean and we looked at Central America and we saw a lot of gaps in the market. So, you know, I think when people look at innovation, sometimes they, they view that as you have to burn the house down and then rebuild something completely different. We took a little different view of it and saw, okay, well, there is, there's an established banking system. There's already a card present system in there. There's lots of infrastructure in there to say card transactions. So we rolled out our gateway platform systematically across every bank within the Caribbean, uh, one by one, integrated with all of them, uh, worked with them. and you know, we had a messaging that was, you know we are you know, even though Bermuda's not technically Caribbean. Uh, we feel like we're part of the Caribbean and... We, we've you know, adopted you <laughs> at Fintech Islands. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're
0: a, you're a part of it. <laughs> yes, yeah. for
3: sure. And you know, from our perspective we understand what it is to be an island nation trying to succeed and get the attention of larger companies to get things done. So we took an approach that we are going to provide that uh, what was classed, you know, first world technology and bring it to a region that that we cared about. And that was tremendously successful for us because yes. it was you know people felt like we actually wanted to be there. We weren't there by accident. You know, we were rolling out, we were invested in the communities. We understood that the Caribbean is just not one region, you know. It's 13 sovereign nations, 21 right. dependent territories within there and each island nation requires something different even though some of the banks are in all of those. So so we took the time to to understand that to roll it out and you know a number of years later you know we feel like our our mission is to is to grow the economies of the countries that we're in so we're in 29 countries now 14 different banks on the back end uh you know we're processing probably about 70 75 percent of all the e-commerce transactions within the caribbean we're turning our attention to fixing some problems within the point-of-sale world and the non-integration with there and evolving the technology there as well into things like softballs to try and meet people where they are. So everybody has a phone. Android's prevalent within the Caribbean, you know? Um, so we're going to be rolling out technology that you know, will sit on Android phone and act as an acceptance device. So trying to move um, the barriers to accepting card payments, you know, credit card penetration rates are low within the Caribbean but they're getting better um, <laughs> and with places like Jamaica and Trinidad that have these local loop debit cards, uh, Jets and Lynx networks, they're getting branded now from that perspective so there's a lot more opportunity to do that and trying to roll out sort of you know, kind of archaic you know, Verifone VX520 terminals right. into to the countryside in some of these um, countries is hard but everybody has a phone and everybody yeah. looks after their phone, and that goes with them everywhere. So you yeah. can turn that into an acceptance device, it really changes what they're looking yeah. for. So so that's our continued mission as a yeah. company, is just to improve the overall payments infrastructure of every country that we're operating in.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting, you know, the, the story. We talked at dinner last night about how important relationships are culturally in the region. It's true in other parts of the world, but maybe particularly important here and that you've carved, carved out a niche for yourself because you're willing to build those relationships, are patient with that, can adapt to the differences of all these different local markets, and maybe larger companies have not had the patience to deal with that. We'll keep it a secret. Nobody from here, no one from Global Payments or FIS can do this, just him. But um, So it's an interesting story. So thank you, Christopher. So, um, Pascal, talk a bit about Sell pay and your mission in, in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yes, thank you. Um, as Carmel, I was born and raised in Haiti. And my first uh, experience with, with um, financial sector that is properly working is when going to college, you know, you, you have easy access to payment, easy access to credit, etc. cetera. Uh, and uh, I, I started at that early looking into um, how financial... Tools, financial service could be accessible to Haitian population uh, because, as, as a as part of the Haitian community, remittance, international remittance is a, is is part of of our journey. Everybody in Haiti, has a family, sending sending them money uh, from the diaspora. So it's always something that that uh, you're looking into uh, when talking about transaction and talking about. Um, access to, to to funding, access to, to money. And right back in Haiti, I started working in financial sector, traditional banks, and trying to decentralize uh, insurance product. Uh, so there, there, the, the sector was already talking about how Having um, transaction financial um, instrument being more accessible to the population, but it became uh, a reality and it became exposed The fragility of the financial sector became exposed at, uh, after the earthquake in 2010, uh, where no, no one has access to to their their bank account for a very long period so uh, it has to it moved quickly to the telcos. Offering um, um, digital wallet as a as a service, and then we started. Since then, we started talking about financial inclusion and uh, digital payment. Uh, we funded Haiti Pay, a fintech in Haiti in 2013. And um, talking about f- digital finance and digital payment in Haiti, v- very quickly direct you to the the. The primary source of funding of every family, which is the diaspora, so that led us to start uh, Salpe.
3: Really figure out how to digitize and make efficient the KYC yeah. and AML process, which even the banks
0: haven't really figured out yet. Yeah. So uh, one more one more topic I wanted to touch on before we wrap, and this this will be for Pascal. As we talked about the 45 million people that live in the region, but in addition to that. There's, I don't know the actual numbers, but there's the diaspora, right? The, the connection to the Caribbean where maybe you were born there and now you live some elsewhere in the world and it creates an even bigger opportunity and Pascal's company is, is directly dealing with that. So talk a bit about that aspect of the opportunity and what you're doing there.
1: Yeah, so as, as, as I mentioned earlier, that the the diaspora is contributing into forcing or encouraging the adoption of digital finance and and pushing to um, bringing a better financial uh, um, environment also and uh, today with with uh, the education that as far as to their family base in 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 the Caribbean region they know about crypto they know about all the digital um, fa- payment and facilitation uh, and access to credit so by being Better educated about what's existing, um, the, the the Caribbean region they want to have better service, better better access to finance with uh, at a better rate, at better uh, better structured, and uh, so that's that's where the the fintech is, are proposing an alternative to what the banks have not been able to 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 offer. So yes, banks should not try to be fintech, and fintech not to Try to they complement each other, and the experience has, has shown us um, at Haiti Pay and Cell Pay that we are not competing with banks; we are competing with cash, actually. And um, so the 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 way our um, the, the, our financial journey is 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 um, the diaspora is encouraging that that innovation and pushing us. To go to better and, and offering better financial transactions, and the regulator has to catch up because we technology is somehow always in advance to regulation so the, te- the, the regulator has to has to catch up we went from from a, a simple paper saying that in Haiti saying that finTech has to be partnered or digital money has to be offered by by banks to fully regulated um, fintechs by central bank and today the, the Central Bank of Haiti is looking into CBDC model um, and they are in it and going moving very fast with, with what they want to implement very fast in, in a certain way but they, they are really putting that idea in the, the mind of the population that we have to move to digital payment and, and the, the end user is actually ready to use that real and that, that way of transaction. So the diaspora has played a very important role into educating our users and forcing the economy to move to digital finance.
0: Okay. So I think we're, we're at time, so we need to, to wrap. But I'd, I would encourage you, those of you who are here who have expressed interest in the topic, whether it's mobile financial services and remittances, central bank digital currencies modernizing central banking, or payment gateways, point of sale... All things payments, that you would come and and chat with our panelists when we wrap up. If you'd like to join us at FinTech Islands in Barbados, we'd love to have you. Love to talk to you about the event. Thanks for being here. And uh, please uh, join me in thanking our panel. Thank you. Thank you.